What's up, guys? Welcome to the college football episode of the Betting Predators podcast. I'm your host, Justin Rodriguez. You know me well as Coach J-Rod1 on Twitter. I am blessed to be uh, joined by one of the best football handicappers in the world, Uncle Dave Essler. You can find him on Twitter at Dave underscore Essler. And we have a nice slate of three games that we're going to be going over today. A lot like college football fans, they can't wait to get into week one. So we're going to jump right into it. Starting with the most anticipated game of week one, uh, probably going to be the most viewed and potentially the most bet. We have the number five Georgia Bulldogs hosting a neutral site game against the Clemson Tigers. Opening line of this game started out Clemson minus three and a half over under 52 and a half. That line has come down a tip to Clemson minus three and over under to 50 and a half. Uncle Dave, what do you think about this marquee matchup with potential uh, college playoff implications on the line? Yeah, it's funny that you said per- perhaps the most bet. I, I think it will be the most bet. And it's, it's funny that, um, you know, it's Saturday night, so it'll be everybody's bailout game. Uh, you know, I, I could find easier bailout games, but that will be it. Uh, and it would probably be the most bet game if it were Arkansas State against Northern Illinois, just because it's Saturday night. Uh, but we're lucky to have a, a big game. And I did see where uh, no team that's lost their first game has made it uh, to the college football playoff since uh, they had, since they started this in 1998. So. I guess there's probably a little more importance on this than maybe people realize. I think that probably there's a little more hurry up and, and get it done for Georgia because they play in the SEC and they may well could lose another game. Clemson might be able to rebound a little bit better from a loss being in the ACC. But I think what we have to do here is look at what's not factored into this line. Everyone knows the Tigers lost Lawrence and at the end. And, you know, to put that in numerical perspective, they're returning offensive production this season He's 118th at FBS, and that's out of 127 teams. So you would you would think, well, they're, they're going to have this huge drop-off. But does that mean they're going to suck? You know, I doubt it because on the other side of the ball, they bring back 92% or third most uh, of their defense. And with that said, you know, Ugalele is a five-star recruit who saw a lot of action last year in some of Clemson's blowouts. So, you know, the Tigers aren't starting all over. You know, and Georgia's almost the complete opposite. They bring back most of their offense, and, of course, JT Daniels, very little of their defense. So although they've got NFL prospects on defense, they don't have the experience. So I suspect people will line up to take Georgia because they all know uh, what Clemson lost to the NFL. But, you know, what they might not know is Dabo is 11-1 and one in season openers, and that one loss was to the University of Georgia. So I'm sure he doesn't forget that. And, you know, Kirby's 5-0 and oh in season openers, but, you know, and someone can easily throw that out. But Georgia hasn't played anybody in any of these wins. So, you know, like when you and I talked yesterday, I mentioned that in some of these marquee games that, you know, I mean, it's, it, it, there is a spread, it's three, but essentially, you know, not a huge spread. You know, sometimes for me, it's a matter of the better coach, the better quarterback and the better defense. And, and honestly, I think Clemson has all three here. Um, I know they have the better coach. I'm pretty sure they have the better defense. And a lot of people like Ugal Ugalele, uh, better than JT Daniels, and, and I can't disagree with that. So, uh, gun to my head here, I actually like Clemson. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think uh, the big stat that they rely on Georgia when it comes to JT Daniels, before he took over a starter, um, Georgia was 4-2, and two, averaging 29 points per game. After he took over, Georgia did go 4-0, and oh, averaging 37 points per game. But I think that has more to do with the quality opponent that they played, Mississippi State, South Carolina, at what I thought was a little bit overrated of a Mizzou team, and then uh, finishing off the bowl game against Cincinnati. Like you said before, we, we talked about what whether people think Clemson will drop off. DJ Uyungle was absolutely stellar in his two starts that he had last year in the absence of Lawrence. Uh, one of those coming on the big stage against Notre Dame. Uh, he went for 439 yards and three total touchdowns in that game, even though they did lost. But uh, the biggest thing that Clemson's going to get back is potential first round uh, wide receiver, Justin Ross. He missed all of 2020 with a spinal injury. Um, when, it, when, it, when it comes down to uh, two great defense that are obviously factored in the line, which is why we've seen that jump from 52 and a half down to 50. Don't you think it really comes down to the battle of quarterback and who can handle the pressure and make the most plays in a big game like this? Yeah, I absolutely do. And that's where I'm, I'm, I'm solidly behind you in that you know, one of these guys has a name and one of them doesn't. But, you know, I actually think the one that has the name, JT Daniels, I think he could, he's playing with maybe a little more pressure, don't you think? I mean, you look at, you look at the Clemson guy, and I'm not going to go the pronunciation route again. I'm just not. I'll mess it up. But, you know, don't you think that he can go out there and really play with without a lot of pressure? I mean, the, Clem, the pressure of playing quarterback for Clemson in and of itself, yes. But I think he can go out there and play a little looser. Uh, and I think that would potentially be advantage Tigers. Yeah, absolutely. This kid's been um, on the national radar ever since he was at high school uh, at John Bosco High School there um, in California. And uh, I think he's just going to be able to handle the stage a little bit better because he's been in the spotlight for so long. You talked about Clemson losing ETN. Uh, They just kind of go ahead and do the shotgun reload start. They have uh, number two ranked running back five-star recruit Will Shipley that won't start tonight. They're going to go with the senior um, Lynn Dixon. Uh, But Will Shipley is definitely a name that people need to know about. When I'm thinking about a game that comes down to this much average or casual money um, because of the time slot, because of the two teams, I try to figure out the biggest weakness for both teams. When it comes down to Georgia, they lost four starters in the secondary. I think that's going to be a huge problem uh, defending DJ as well as Justin Ross coming back in the wide receiver core from Clemson. The only thing that worries me on the Clemson side is that that offensive line is young and very inexperienced. Also dealt with some difficulties last year. Dabo Sweeney was quoted in saying that he actually might uh, be rotating some guys on that offensive line. But ultimately, um, when there's a weakness or a deficiency on the team, nobody knows better than the coach, Dave. Dabo knows where his offensive line's at. I think he's going to go ahead and roll um, uh, Uwe Ungale out of the pocket. I think they're going to stick with short and immediate routes. And um, I don't think Kirby's going to be able to hide that young secondary. So um, it was a lean at first for me, but I'm actually going to go with a like minus three key number there on the Clemson Tigers. Moving over to our next game, highly, highly anticipated uh, matchup between the number 21 ranked Texas Longhorns and the number 23 ranked Louisiana Raging Cajuns. This game is going to be played uh, Saturday afternoon in Austin, Texas. Weird opening line, Dave. I've seen this opening line as much as Texas minus 14, which kind of speaks to the talent that they've brought in. And then obviously, I think a little bit of overhype with Steve Sarkeesian era beginning there in Austin. Over under started at 60 and a half. Current line is Texas all the way down to minus nine and over under 58 
0.5. Do you think the bookmakers just got it wrong from the beginning or do you think that the public shifted this money? You know, that's a really good question. I mean, I, I think sharp betters shifted it early on. I mean, and, you know, a blind man can see there was a lot of love in the market for Louisiana and, you know, maybe rightfully so, Justin. Uh, and, and this is again, back to returning production, which a lot of people will use in the early weeks and it's a great reference point, but they are the number one team in FBS in terms of returning production. And then people look at, well, Texas loses Ellinger obviously. And I think that in conjunction with some of their other offensive losses from last season, I mean, it, it puts the Longhorns offense at 104th in returning production. You know, I know I use it a lot, but again, it's a reference point. So the question for me is, can I trust Hudson card a redshirt freshman, not to lose this game if I'm taking Texas. And I have to say no. He's thrown three passes in his career, completed one for five yards. And, and let me repurpose that. He very well could be the second coming, but if I'm betting a game, I'm going to take the team and the quarterback and the coach I trust the most. I know what I'm getting with Levi Lewis, a senior with experience that beat Iowa State on the road last year. With Texas, I'm getting an unknown quarterback, a new coach, that's been everywhere without a ton of real success as a head coach, a marginal at best defense and a growingly apathetic and impatient fan base. So I have to take the points. And in spite of the downward tick in the total, I do lean to the over, but, you know, by the same token, you know, and you and I talked about this off, off air, the bet would have been, would have been, could have been, should have been probably Louisiana at plus anything more than double digits. Now, I have to hesitate, you know, it's almost like that Michigan State Northwestern game Friday, you know, the bet would have been Michigan State plus six, six and a half, it's down to three, so you know where the sharp money is going, do you want to follow that at a bad number? And I don't know the answer to that, I would, I would like 10, uh, but I almost can't trust Texas to cover that big of a spread, um, you know, Louisiana goes in, as I said, they beat Iowa State on the road last year, and Iowa State's a, a top 10 team this year. And I think the year before that, they played uh, Mississippi State on the road and played them fairly tough in the opening game. So, you know, Louisiana is not a team to be taken lightly. And, and I, if Texas does, they won't cover that number. So I, I lean sort of with trepidation to Louisiana. But, you know, again, and, and as we talk about all year, you know, we're doing these podcasts Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever. This one happens to be Friday. But you know, those lines have been up for a week, in this case, months. So recommendations today are for the people listening and betting today. So I got to, I throw that out with the caveat that this is based on today. And we know, unfortunately, that a lot of people bet today or tomorrow. And I think in the long term to make a dollar, they might be wiser to bet sooner. And I know a lot of people did. There's a lot of really sharp people that, that listen to us. But by the same token, there's people that just pick it up and you know, want to go for it. And I always have to sort of throw that caveat out there that, you know, maybe next time we look at these games before the line moves. And as far as that total goes, I don't have an opinion. I, I tend to want to take the over, uh, but I'm not naive to what the market is saying right now. So I will take the fifth on that and let you tell me what I should do. 
I believe this is truly a game of what we know and what we don't know. What we do, what we do know is Billy Napier has um, came uh, out of programs uh, as a coordinator from Clemson and Alabama. For some reason, I don't think he gets the same uptick that Sarkeesian does. Maybe when factoring a line, everybody thinks that it's the end-all, be-all that Sarkeesian served under Saban and they had success, and now he's going to go ahead and be able to do that. Um, I happen to live in a household where uh, the Longhorns are uh, a household name if you would so I understand the expectation that this fan base has do we think that Hudson Card is going to be better at least in game one than Sam Ellinger was I think that's doubtful do we think that Steve Sarkeesian is going to have his offense clicking on all cylinders in game one I think that's doubtful the defense ranked 64th last year uh, nationally in team defense so nothing truly to be said in in, in that sense but Billy Napier has this Louisiana Lafayette team uh, really clicking on all cylinders uh, I was watching uh, some people give me a rundown about their team last year and they said the knock was, well, they only beat Georgia State by two, and they only beat Texas State by this amount, and so on and so forth. But you know what the narrative was, Uncle Dave? They won every game, and winners win. Um, so I'm going to go with the consistency and the camaraderie of Billy Napier. They're definitely not going to sneak up on Texas uh, this year like they did Iowa State. But I actually do have a best bet that I'd love to pick your brain about, and that's going to be under first half, 28 and a half total points. And this is my thought process on it. Steve Sarkeesian knows that there's going to be a lot of pressure and expectations on his young quarterback. I don't think he's going to overload the plate for him. I think they're going to come out and run the ball. He did make a public statement saying that he wanted to make uh, junior running back B. John Johnson the vocal point of their offense. So I think they're going to try to set up their quarterback for success by running the ball first. And then on the flip side of it, if Louisiana comes out and gets an early lead, I don't think you're going to see him take very many risky shots downfield uh, to possibly create a turnover. I think if they they do get the lead. They're going to try to run the ball, short intermediate passes, and hang on to that lead going into halftime. So I think it's going to be fairly conservative for both offenses in the first half. My best bet out of all three of these games is first half under 28 and a half. I like it. I mean, I can't find fault in that. What I like, I think most about that is 28 and a half. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a key number. And I think that you're solid getting that. I, and for all the reasons you mentioned, I, one of the things that I, I can only hope in, in, in our analysis here and whatnot, that this kid Johnson doesn't completely go off. Cause I, I don't think nationally, a lot of people know about this guy um, and they will, because I, you know, one time I looked earlier, I think I made a futures bet on him to win the Heisman. It was like 20 or 25 to one. Um, you know, he's going to put up a lot of yards and have a lot of touchdowns. Uh, I just hope it's not, uh, Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Last year, he uh, uh, averaged a, a, an amazing 8.2 yards per carry, and um, he looked amazing in the spring game. But uh, yeah, Uncle Dave, we're moving right along. Uh, next, we're going to jump into probably your favorite conference, uh, the Big Ten. Another afternoon game here for you. We have the number 17 ranked Indiana Hoosiers and the number 18 ranked Iowa Hawkeyes. This is going to be played in Iowa City uh, on Saturday afternoon. Opening line of this game is Iowa minus four and a half over under 48.5. Current line is down to Iowa minus three and a half. And I even saw um, some bigger uh, books uh, going down to that key number of three over under has reached 46 and a half. We obviously know what we're getting out of these two teams, especially Iowa. It's the same tried and true team over the last 20 years. Um, do you think it's just going to be more of the same this Saturday? 
Yeah, I do. And then I was kind of, I, I kind of snapped when you sent me that game because um, I don't, I don't subscribe to the big 10. I, that is my, my least favorite conference, but by the same token, it forces me to do the work. And with all that said, this might be a no play for me, or at least a game where I want the absolute best number. Um, you know, first off, we got a low total, which is always the case for an Iowa game because the free world knows they always have a good defense and they take care of the ball offense. As you mentioned, it's what they do. Um, and, and as we know, the lower the total, the more value to the points. And this line opened four and a half a few days ago was all the way down to minus three. Now it's back up a little bit. Uh, with that said, at four and a half, I would have to take Indiana. Uh, it, it scares me to bet against Iowa, but Iowa just doesn't have or uh, run the offense enough to build up margin and or close the back door, I don't think. Indiana does bring back 80% of their production from last year on both sides of the ball. And that was a team that last year lost just one game to Ohio State by seven in Columbus, I think. I think they beat Penn State, beat Wisconsin in Madison, uh, and they played Ole Miss in the Outback Bowl, and they held the Lane Kevin offense to just 26 points in it. Yeah, Iowa had a nice season in 2020, uh, but they didn't play a ranked team. This game is big for both teams uh, because they both start out the season ranked, which is pretty unusual. But next week, Iowa has Iowa State. Uh, if this were any week but week one, that would almost make it an auto bet in Indiana just because of the look ahead. But there's not going to be a look ahead in week one. So there's a lot of factors here. And I think the, the trump card for me when I went through all this time and time again was that outback bowl last year by Indiana. I mean, that that defense might be better than we think. So at plus four, I lean to the Hoosiers, Justin. Yeah, I like that too. Definitely when it gets down to those books that are taking three, um, it's no more than a lean for me as well. I can't believe we're agreeing so much. Uh, maybe that means I'm getting smarter or you're getting less smart. I'm not sure which one it is. But I think the biggest key um, when I think about a game like this, even outside of the statistics, fifth-year coach Tom Allen just seems like a guy that I would run through a wall with. Um, he's a he's a high motivator. He understands that he's not going to out-recruit the Blue Bloods in that conference like Ohio State even Minnesota. Um, so he understands that he has to um, establish talent within the program. Uh, he was quoted saying before this, we just want to let the people know how excited we are to open our season at Iowa. So I think he understands the opportunity that presents itself come Saturday. And I think that him and his team are ready to take full advantage of it. Um, when I look at Iowa, like I said, not much has changed over the last 20 years. They want to run the football. They want to rely on clock management and they want to let their defense do the work. Um, the only thing that I see that sticks out to me is that uh, Iowa is losing three of their four defensive linemen, which uh, was one of the best in the nation at getting out of the after the quarterback last year. If there's anybody that I could uh, respect enough to build a defense up a line quick, at least um, it would be Kirk Ferentz. But the return of Michael Penix Jr. coming back off the ACL tear, which we saw that game last year where he took Ohio State to the very, very uh, end of the game, almost won it. Um, and then the other X factor for me is Ty. Freifogel, um, the top uh, returning wide receiver uh, in the Big Ten. Like I said, for me, it is a lean. Uh, if you have Indiana minus three, I just really can't make that play. Anything over the key number there, um, I like it a little more. One thing that's not talked about um, nearly as much as it should be is that the Hoosiers are bringing back Charles Campbell 
I understand you've never heard of him, uh, but he's actually their place kicker. And he's on the uh, uh, Lou Garza uh, award watch list for uh, potentially being one of the best kickers in the country. Uh, he's uh, 10 out of 11 last year, including making all three of his attempts for over 50 yards. So if it comes down to a close game, uh, I like the uh, special teams of Indiana a little bit more. But ultimately, it's a lean unless we can get over that key number. Um, that's for sure. I know that it's uh, voodoo in college football to put a teaser on a game but is this something that maybe we might think about if we could get that number to indiana plus nine or nine and a half you know i'm gonna get shit no matter what i say here (laughs) for a lot of people you're right it's taboo you just don't do it however people do it anyway I, i think if i were to tease that game now basically i'm just talking numbers i would want it to be 10 um, and I think there's some fours out there, so you probably could get 10. Um, that would be a key number. And uh, a thing I would think about doing, I would only think about doing it because this game has a relatively low total. It's not as low as I would like a college teaser to be. You know, sometimes you'll get these down near 40-ish, but I think it's 46. So, you know, you're, you're at, if you could get to 10, that would be enough value to where – you know, as I said, I think if if I don't think Iowa has the offense to get the margin to to ever close the back door at three or four, I certainly don't at ten. But having said that, I'm by no means endorsing college football teasers. Uh, but there are people that are going to. That's perfectly fine. Um, if you're going to do it, that is what I would do. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. And uh, before we wrap up here, Dave, I did have one question uh, to kind of give the listeners going forward. We talked about that first game with Georgia and Clemson. Um, thinking about the winner, obviously, um, if, if Clemson were to lose, we think it's probably much easier for them to run the table the rest of the way out and at least get a consideration for one of those playoff spots. If Georgia were to lose, we think that there's a clear path for them to get back into the playoffs obviously that's through the sec and beating alabama but whichever team does lose do we look to lay the points with them the very next week knowing in the back of their minds they're going to have to have some style points going forward for the committee well that's a good question and i don't know who they're playing next week so it would be tough for me to answer that i just meant in general as a general yeah yeah, 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 no doubt in general um yes um however you know if it's a respectable team and the spread is less than a couple touchdowns. Uh, probably so. Um, if it's a, an Arkansas state, I hate to pick on them. I think I already did once. Um, and they're favored by 33. Um, probably not. You know, that would, I would look at that as a first half bet because, you know, Clemson or, or Georgia or whoever would lose is probably, uh, they're going to want to rest people. You know, you know, they're not going to rest people, Saturday night, and that game actually is a neutral field game in Charlotte. Um, they're not going to rest people because it should be a close game. And if they play a, a cupcake next week, I would think that they most certainly would and regroup for the rest of the conference play. Um, so that would be a that would be a situational thing to where you know if it was a you know a, a conference foe at home uh, that was between a touchdown and ten to fourteen points, I would say yes, probably. Um, barring injuries or whatever in the next week, but against a big team uh, that they, a big spread like that, I would I would say probably not. And for one reason is it's a big spread because everybody expects them to do that. I mean that's that's what the books do, and that's why I would go back to 
probably making a bet like that uh, on a big spread in the first half uh, where they would hopefully just get it over with and be up, you know, 31 to three and call it good, which Clemson is very good at. Absolutely. Well, Dave, that is going to do it for us. A nice slate of three games there. Love the information. Love the opportunity. I just want to remind everybody, don't forget to go check out bettingpredators.com. They have an amazing amount of props, daily fantasy picks, and advice up on their website. So make sure you go ahead and visit them. That is bettingpredators.com. Dave, it was an absolute pleasure. Hopefully we can do it again real soon. Mine, thanks, and uh, you're awesome. You're, You're making me work too hard, Justin. (laughs) Well, I'm looking forward to a lot of sleepless nights ahead. So hopefully this leads to more. But I appreciate the opportunity and uh, everybody have a successful, hopefully profitable week one.